0: Welcome to Biz in Poland podcast, my name is Søren Kristensen, and this week you can hear my first interview in this podcast, but it is far from the last one, that's for sure. I had the honor to interview the singing Scotsman, Brian Allen, who has had a very interesting life, not only here in Poland, but also in Scotland and in Canada and LA. Brian has a music event company called Rock Your Business that offers some great workshops for businesses not only in Poland but all over the world. It is a dynamic and interactive format that makes the event attendees actually feel like rock stars and the webshops are 60 to 19 minutes long. Within 18 months Rock Your Business made hugely successful workshops for 65 multinational companies in 11 countries. Brian Allen is also a keynote speaker and talks about Freddie Mercury and ABBA, also with a business angle, and uh, in this interview he will also talk about that, but also about his very interesting background in the music industry. As a recording artist, Brian Allen got over 30 of his own compositions on the radio. As a producer, he successfully managed and created a global star and US superstar Skylar Gray. And uh, as a songwriter, he has worked with Paul Lee Stanley, who have worked with Kiss, Robin Hoffman, who have worked with Christina Aguilera and Michael Jackson, Jim Inez, who has worked with Kitty Perry and uh, just Justin Timberlake, and uh, many more. Moreover, Brian Allen is a great guy, as you will hear in this uh, interview. And he has so many interesting stories uh, from his life to tell. So hopefully, there will be an episode two with Brian here in Business Poland podcast. But let's get down to business and hear an interview with Brian Allen, CEO and founder of Rock Your Business. Enjoy. But let's start. Uh, first, welcome, Brian, for you, and that you will uh, use some of your time. No problem. In this. So, if you could. Uh, yeah, this is the first interview, so thank you for being the first one. No pressure, <laughs> not at all. Uh, if you just could talk a bit about where you are from and uh, yeah, how how you were involved in the music business, but not the entire story, because then we need <laughs> several more hours, I think. <laughs> uh, well, as
1: you know, I was I was um, well, as you may be surprised, I was born in Hanover in Germany. Uh, uh, My father was in the army and uh, I I guess he just couldn't wait to come back to Scotland so he decided to have me when he was posted. And I basically was there uh, for six weeks, uh, as the story goes. Um, The best of my mother's recollection. And then we went back to the UK and then I I grew up my whole life in Scotland. Um, I started singing when I was about five, uh, well since I can remember really. Uh, this was fueled by house parties uh, because in Scotland you have these legendary, I don't know if they have that in Denmark, but you have these house parties back in the days before the internet and cable TV and there was only two or three channels and there wasn't much to do. So your parents would have a little bit of vodka or alcohol of choice on a weekend and <laughs> half the neighbours would descend upon your house and uh, you would have a, a, a good uh, wag we'd bantering all night and then you we'd do the probably infamous rather than famous the one singer one song when everybody has to stand up and do your party piece uh, i guess that's where it started uh my dad was a singer so he would he would almost break his hip okay every time he sang elvis presley the wonder of you cuz he kept slapping his hip every time he was singing the the chorus which was quite funny uh, and then everybody noticed that I, I was a singer too so I had an opportunity to stay up a little bit later than the other kids if I was singing so I, I decided to learn all my mom and dad's favorite songs and the, the neighbors so I could stay up as late as possible uh, singing Elvis Presley, Roy Orbison, Simon and Garfunkel, The Beatles anything that would basically get me to stay up a little bit later that was wow. the, the beginning of my tenure in the music business I guess you can call it.
0: Yeah and then after you were also in the military mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then you went to Can- Canada after, uh, but but why Canada? Uh,
1: uh, actually, it's because of the mil- military, because uh, first of all, I decided that most of the kids in my hometown were into drugs or alcohol, and I actually didn't drink till I was 23, uh, and I had no desire to do drugs after seeing the, the impact of glue sniffing and other uh, drugs that was rampant in the UK in the early 80s. So I decided uh, I, I wanted to get out of my hometown. I was... I was bullied quite a lot. I didn't really have many friends, so I thought I just want to leave this place. It's a small town of Glenrothes and and make some kind of life for myself. My father was in the army. My stepfather was in the army. My uncle was in the police force. So it was kind of natural for me to go into some kind of uh, organized, structured life. I loved cooking. It was my best subject at school. So I thought, why don't I join the army and become a chef? So I did. In the back of my mind, I was always singing, but I wasn't writing songs at that point. That didn't happen until a little bit later. And then I went with the army in 1991 to Canada for a six-week exercise, and I discovered um, one horse town bar that had a a, a, a duo called Double Vision. <laughs> okay, uh, great name. A great name for a band. and They were yeah. playing all Def Leppard songs, Brian Adams, and they got me up to sing a couple of times, which is I'm glad there's no video recording because it was... Probably terrible when you can't remember the lyrics of your your favorite artists, but uh, I got up in front of my peers. Um, I went to West Edmonton Mall for four days on a on a uh, small vacation during the exercise, and it was a, a, a mini recording studio called Studio uh, Studio. Uh, oh my god, I can't remember the, the name of it. Studio, studio ninety seven sticks in my head for some reason. Anyway, uh, they had this little corner of the food court where you can go in and record your own song. And if you're quite good, the owner of a studio would let you do it for free if you would open the curtains and let everybody mm. in the food court hear you. So I did uh, Wanted Did Their Life and he was so impressed with my Bon Jovi impersonation that he decided if I sing another song, I got I got the demo tape for free. So they opened the curtains and I did Lay Your Hands On Me under the snoodunum uh, Bon Jockey. <laughs> <laughs> uh How old were you? Scottish Bon Jovi. Uh, 20. 20. I was was 20 and it was around about the same time that I started writing songs. Um, So A, I discovered a very good live music scene in Canada, Uh, B, I I just started writing my own songs, C, I decided that I no longer wanted to be in the British army anymore. Uh, Because when I was in Canada during that trip, my best friend in Scotland, was posted from Northern Ireland to my uh, barracks, Glencorse, to be beside me, my only friend when I was a child. And there was a gun accident in, in uh, barracks when he was the guard commander, and somehow he died. Uh, he lost his head. One. So uh, and the army didn't get me home for his funeral. So I kind of lost faith in the army at that moment because I wasn't a blood relative, so they they had no grounds to fly me home. Okay. Uh, so that coupled with me writing songs, decided that was probably the end of my my. Uh, uh, militaristic uh, endeavours yeah. for Her Majesty the Queen. So I left with this Canada thing in the back of my head and I got out of the army on the 9th of March. I wrote 276 songs in my first year. Oh and, my God, that's I, a lot. Yeah, I basically packed a suitcase of songs and headed to Canada by myself the next day, the wow. 10th of March. Uh, when in Canada? Uh, I started in Edmonton because huh? I had such a good experience in um, the... Uh, Almost two years before that, when I went there in the summertime. But this time I went back and it was minus 27 and it was not very nice. I, I was dressed like Brian Adams, blue jeans, white t shirt, blue denim jacket. And yeah. I was like, okay, somebody turned off the radiators. It's freezing here. Jesus Christ, <laughs> when, when did this happen? I didn't realize that the Canadian prairies are absolutely Baltic in the wintertime.
0: Yeah. It's um, very cold. Yeah.
1: As a Danish guy, you probably know the cold, but not minus 27, probably. Scotland, oh, it's maybe. like
0: more like here he in Poland. The, 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 the cold, when it's cold, actually it's a bit more cold here than it is in Denmark.
1: But we get the wet cold, because you're on the opposite side from yeah, Scotland. But we are, yeah,
0: but we are close to the, uh, wherever you are in Denmark, it's maximum 50 kilometres to the ocean. So it's very wet, yes. Also,
1: so like I tried to explain this to our mutual Polish friends. I said, ah. When it goes down to zero in Scotland, it's cold, exactly. It's freezing because it's wet cold, it exactly. goes to your bones. It's not like here when it's minus in Scotland and Denmark, it's probably like minus 10 here, exactly. Uh, it's really, really cold because you're ah. like minus is cold, minus is freezing over there because it's in it's, Canada, was completely dry. Uh, the prairies, obviously, prairies. Ah. Uh, so uh, it was cold, uh, but you obviously were suitable clothing for this if you're smart uh, which I didn't have at that moment in my life but I I tried not to go outdoors as much as I could I even stopped uh, frequenting bars for a while when it gets down to minus 27 the concept of walking like a kilometre nap temperature just to get a cold beer doesn't really make any logical sense
0: no but they are cold the beer (laughs) the
1: the beer is very
0: very cold but how did you So, so then you also get some uh connection to the music business in Canada, and, yes, and, and how did that happen?
1: Well, well, that's a great question, because the first uh, year and a half, I was, yeah, I, I had a guitar, but I never really played it, um, I was singing on karaoke, thinking I was a rock star, and making friends along the way, and discovered beer, um, and I was kind of just DJing to make money, and... Uh, I, I was writing a lot of lyrics, but I, I couldn't really play an instrument. I wasn't a producer at that time. Um, so I really was a bit lost, uh, you could say. Um, and I ended up in Vancouver because it was warmer. Uh, <laughs> and that's the real reason why I went, and uh, purely temperature. And uh, decided that Brian Adams' manager, Bruce Allen, worked out of an office in Gastown, which is in the... Uh, the in the the middle of Vancouver so I decided that I would try the same technique that Brian Adams did and just basically stalk this guy and I could never get past the secretary Um, and then Mm -hmm. I just was looking at all the trade presses and trying to find somebody that could possibly help me one day and it was actually um, mostly fueled by my fellow musician friends that kept telling me I'm going to make an album one day I'm going to make a CD single one day I'm going to make a tape one day and I I just got so irritated by them keep talking about it and I'm like I'm going to do it because these guys are seriously irritating me. It can't be so difficult to record a couple of songs. And I found a guy, uh, Gary, I don't remember his last name that had a one man studio. um, That basically was a multi instrumentalist that you basically go there with your idea and he, he produces a whole song for you. So I went there and I, I did my first song. um, uh, I'll still be loving you. And then I did when I wake up with him and then uh, I had a couple of songs. It was a demo. Um, I actually wrote the music to those songs as well. Um, and then I found a producer in North Vancouver that was looking for a demo vocalist. it was kind of a win-win situation. Who wasn't really impressed with me at first because he thought I was just a, a too much of a rocker. But then when he heard my my recorded song, which we I was singing a lot more delicately, uh, he's like, "Okay, you're not just a a, a rock guy. You can you can." perform softer melodic songs and I'm looking for somebody to sing demos for me of the songs that I write and you're looking for a partner to help you compose the music to your lyrics and we formed a partnership and we made the the first album together. Cool. Yeah. John. John. Actually, another tragedy. He died in the tsunami uh, a few years ago in two thousand and four. Him and his wife always went to Phuket in Thailand for the for the winter break, and sadly, they they didn't come back home. But I had a wonderful couple of years with that man. He was he was like a father figure to me because my father was never close to me. Uh, we made a whole album together. Uh, he financed it. Um, he wow. was giving me the studio time, and that's nice. Yeah, every every day I was I was working basically Monday to Saturday DJing in this nightclub, and then I would get finish work at like three in the morning. I would go home. I'd get up at seven. I'd run over to the train station. I'd take the seven twenty four train down from where I lived on the suburbs of Vancouver. Down to the center of Vancouver. Then I would transfer from the, the, the train to the sea bus, the ferry. And then I would take the ferry across to the other side of uh, North Vancouver. Then I would take the bus up to his house and I'd get to his house every day at, at, at 10 past nine. We'd have a strong coffee. Uh, and then we would go down to his uh, studio in his basement and we'd start writing songs till about five o'clock. And then he would, mm-hmm. I'd take the bus back down to the sea bus and take my return journey and go straight to work. And I did that for a year.
0: But then what? What? What happened with the record? And uh, We
1: had... Uh, um, I got very lucky in 1997. I met this... Uh, uh, again, it's just an absolute crazy story of fortune. I was working as a, a personal trainer, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> in this, in this uh, private private members club in, in, in New Westminster, and uh, I was starting to make a little bit of a name for myself. And then I went to this uh, celebrity golf tournament and I it was in the times you're you're much younger than me you won't remember this but they had t-
0: well I'm turning 50 this year so um Well you might remember young?
1: yeah <laughs> they had these little like Digital diary things. It, yeah, yeah. It, it was like a mini, like a like, really mini iPad thing.
0: N- like Nokia Communicator. Yes,
1: yes. It was something like that. Something where you like could, that. Yeah. And I left mine at the uh, the golf course. Not that I ever needed it because I wasn't really a businessman, but it just made me
0: look cool, I guess. Yeah, and I had the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to, I also had to like I had to also it was not a communicator, but it was like something like that. Also with uh, this key- keyboard, you could write. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it was very cool, but I'd, I also didn't need it at that yeah, time. Yeah,
1: I think nobody ever did, but it was oh. quite cool that
0: you had something
1: gadgety like that before, exactly. before iPads and Steve Jobs changed everything. Exactly. Um, and it just so happened that the the next guy on behind me on the golf course happened to be the co-host of the number one rock morning show in Canada on Rock 101. Wow. Wow. Um, and his partner was the champ jake edwards a very famous canadian uh dj and this guy called me up because he found my number on the
0: oh, spot
1: and he said i've got your little whatever it was <laughs> Yeah, do you want it back and i said sure uh i'm in new west can you bring it to me he said no problem and then he came in and we were sitting there in a the lounge and uh, and he's saying so what are you doing I, in, in Canada, basically? And I said, well, I'm a singer. I'm you know, trying to do something. And yeah, I said, yeah. And I just so happen to have my guitar here. You want to hear a song? He said, sure. So I played him this new song that I had just written called everybody's making love, but me. And um, he's like, that's very interesting. I said, why is that? He goes, do you want to come on the radio on Saturday and sing that live across Canada? <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. He goes, I'm the co-host of the morning show on rock 101 with Jake Edwards, the champ. Uh, uh <laughs> yes, I, I I I would love to do that. And that was my break, if you could call it. Um yeah. uh, the live recording is on my third album. Um Everybody's Making Love But Me from that actual show. Uh, and then that's when I started to get some songs onto Vancouver television uh, rock 101 uh, some other radio stations star FM uh, nothing to write home about wasn't a great success but to get on the radio was I guess was kind of a success uh, and it gave me um, a little uh, I don't know um spark to think I' maybe I'm on the right path here maybe this is maybe I am going to be a star one day maybe. Uh, the songwriting curse—I <laughs> call it sometimes—that I have. Maybe, maybe one day I will make something of this um, God-given talent that I that, that I seem to have. Um, so, yeah, I just continued to do that until I got deported. Uh, because I was actually living illegally in Canada for six years because I was only on a visitor's permit, and he eventually caught me.
0: Okay.
1: Um. And he said, "Mr. Allen, you know, you need a work permit to stay here. I, said, yeah, I know that. And well, you've been working and sustaining yourself for six years, but you kind of, you know, you need to go now. That's a story for another day. We'll be here for another three hours. But it yeah. was, it was a wonderful story. Uh, I ended up back in Scotland for two years helping. When,
0: my- when was that?
1: Nineteen uh and then I I continued to make another album and then I was very lucky. Uh, I went to a, a music convention at the end of 2001 in um, Los Angeles, uh, my first like proper music business uh, trade show, I guess conference, I guess you can call it ah. uh, and I got signed. I got signed to a five-album record deal and a three-year publishing contract to 2K Sounds, EMI Music, and I moved to Los Angeles for two years, which was incredible. But I still didn't make it. Uh, the, the biggest success, I guess you could say, I've ever had in my life was uh, I discovered uh, the US star Skylar Gray before she was a. Uh, uh, I managed her and developed her career, taught her how to write songs, and she's now one of the most recognizable superstars in America. Uh, she wrote Love the Way You Lie for Rihanna and Eminem. Uh, she's singing a song, I'm coming home, I'm coming home. Oh,
0: I've heard better yeah. than I have
1: heard. Yeah, amongst yeah. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey and amongst other things. And I, I, I was sort of uh, mentor, tutor, manager, roadie, uh, pretty much all of the above, but my own career, I guess I I, I just didn't want it enough. Um, mm. You know, these people that make it, per se, they're obsessed with, with becoming... But it's also a matter of luck. A lot, of, a lot of it is luck, and a lot of it is um, when you, when I'm doing what I'm doing now, I, I, I tell people after I didn't make it, and I never will, that's obvious, uh, I, I, I was analyzing for my business now all the stars that did make it, and mm. they all have a couple of things in common, which is very interesting. One is that they um, all have an extremely original voice. You don't mm-hmm. have to be the best singer in the world. You just have to have an extremely original voice. Britney Spears, in my opinion, cannot sing to save her life. But she has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. Elvis, Bob, yeah. D- Bob Dylan, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of them. They, they all have very... Johnny Cash.
0: Yeah.
1: My God. but yeah. uh, I fell into a burning ring of fire. <laughs> <laughs> I went down air in the face went higher. I went burn, burn, burn. I mean, yeah. come on. But seriously, but as soon as he comes on the radio, you know... He was a very gifted songwriter, he was very charismatic, but his voice, you just go, oh, I know, that's Johnny Cash. So I didn't have that, I was like a hybrid of Bon Jovi and Brian Adams, my two favourite artists, Mm -hmm. so I was in in Europe. So I didn't really have that original um, standout voice, so it was always going to be a struggle for me. Uh,
0: But you have the charisma.
1: Thank you, bro. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I guess that came from uh, a childhood of being very, um, I wouldn't say introverted, but I would say uh, always looking for, um, not attention either, it's the wrong word, maybe a little bit of attention because I didn't get it from my parents and, and the people around me. So I was always looking to perform to get some kind of um, acclaim or uh, mm, a way of making friends Yeah, that just stayed with me. Uh, my whole life that, uh, I love people I'm a people person so I was just a trade show today and my my American friend Marcus of me and he was amazed at how many people were Brian, 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 Brian so wow you know I, I, I love people I like people I like to be nice to people uh, the world is karma it comes back to you
0: sometimes I think you're right, but you also know a lot of people yeah. <laughs> it's crazy it's, it's 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 crazy and i also, I'm also a peoples person myself, and I also know a lot, but you' are not as many as you it's crazy, yeah, uh, also some people that I didn't know knew knew you then if uh like singing we're having this interview and stuff so, oh you know they, they they know who you are, yeah, yeah so, and
1: I, I would say probably. Uh, on a good day, I think ninety percent of them uh, really like me, and I have my own fan club of of probably ten percent of people that, that are not my fans. I would say, uh, for various reasons. but okay.
0: Warsaw is a very strange city. It's uh, well, that's strange people <laughs> <everywhere>. <laughs> that's for sure. But but then uh, how? So how did you come to make this uh, rock your business? That your website is called. Also um, important to mention that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was uh, actually um, a, a few... I had a music company called um, Rocket Music with a, a gentleman from Finland called Jan Vekström. Jan, mm. Um, Who was the best business partner I've ever had. Uh, we spent six, seven years together uh, doing a project called Poland, Why Not? Where we tried to invite, or we did invite the best uh, songwriters and producers from the US and Scandinavia and all over the world to write with uh, top Polish artists and try to create... Poland's first ever international superstar and we went around the world. We took Polish artists all over the world and, and we failed. Uh, we lost a lot of money in China because we developed the format into a TV show and we lost uh, all our operating capital uh, in 2014. Uh, so the company basically was uh, basically finished, um, which was very, was very sad for me. And then I reinvented myself and then I, I started uh, to survive basically. I started doing live events in Warsaw. Yes. Uh, started with Żurawina live Mondays and then I was doing Friday night at Pure Sky Club, the old Pure Sky Club. Yes. Uh, a weekend, week out, and built a fan base for uh, putting that stuff together just to pay the bills. And then I had my own bar, Rock On, for two years uh, on Mazowiecka, a live, live music bar on a Friday and Saturday. And then I decided to to leave that to get a job on uh, the radio in Poland, but I got fired after four days because my my Polish wasn't strong enough, which was fair enough. Um, And then uh, um, basically I I, I tried to make an event agency uh, and then completely failed because I didn't realize uh, one of the golden rules of business is find out how many competitors are already existing on the market. And I didn't do that. I just thought I'm Scottish. I know everybody I can make events too. Uh, And then one year I basically got virtually nothing. I was completely on my knees. and I had a Spanish friend of mine uh, in Warsaw. I was sitting at his house, and we were having a, a whiskey. He was trying to cheer me up, and he said, "So, what's going on with you? You're you're not a stupid man. You're 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 very talented. You know everybody. You work hard. How come you can be so broke?" And I said, "Well, um, I, I made a big mistake. I made this company, and I, I really didn't know what I was doing." I thought it would be a lot easier, but I'm competing with people that's already been in the market and have solidified relationships for 10, 15 years with decision makers. I have friends that are decision makers too, but I don't have their their know-how or their expertise or their track record. Uh, they know me as Brian the singer, the party guy. Uh, that's a different story, but f- to actually make a proper event, I, I'm not sure they, they trust me. Um, and he said to me, he said, do you know Albert Einstein? And I said, no personally but i know who he is and he said he said something very simple but very profound albert einstein said people with talent should do what they have talent with yes and i took another drink of my whiskey and he said to me brian so what's yours and i said singing and engaging people motivating them and he said so make a company just does that just that, forget all your other crazy ideas. Uh, just make a company. I have a friend that works at Aviva, she wants to do like a team building in a couple of weeks, which is music based, so you'll have your first money in your pocket in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's actually not true because I had to make a demo of what I was going to do, so I, did, I ended up losing money in that first gig and she asked for super friend price. And yeah, never mind, but uh, <laughs> I didn't actually make money in the first one at all. Um, but I got Aviva's name. Uh, I I went away and I I met with this lady and I I went to Google and YouTube and I looked around the world and said how do I combine what I do with team building for companies and I'm like okay musical team building and I looked all over the world and I couldn't find anything that was using the voice it was just like drum workshops uh, stuff like this learn how to play instruments and I was like then I saw two girls uh, from Wales Uh, Using uh, teaching people how to sing like a choir as a way of boosting their immune systems. I thought, that's super cool. They created this community amongst cancer victims to help them uh, fight against this disease because they were singing, just singing, because they they felt this togetherness when they were singing like a choir. Ah. And I thought, that's cool. And choir singing has been around for forever. But I was like, what if the choir singing was dynamic and it was me in it? It was like, rock songs and it was it was it was high energy and it (laughs) It was was,
0: careful with microphone
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was high energy and yeah and we used this as a way of of showing people to do something they never thought they could do in like 90 minutes or something like this and i went and i told her and i said i've got it she goes yeah what are you going to do i said rock your business she goes what's that i goes i'm going to teach you 46 people how to sing like a choir in 90 minutes and she went what and we did Aviva and then uh, four days later we did PepsiCo and then a week later we did 155 people for Nestle and then a week later I was in Dubai for Pandora wow. Jewelry. all in That is
0: Danish by the way. Pandora.
1: Yeah. Yes I know. <laughs> my friend Peter Mark was running the company. Yeah, and, uh, I know him too. Yeah Peter's oh an awesome yeah. guy and he invited me down so he flew me down to Dubai yeah. and yes. I made this workshop for his company and uh, I was on my way and um there was a great expression that this uh, friend of the producer in North Vancouver, the guy that owned another studio, said to me one time. He was driving me to the to the the ferry, and I asked him. I said, "David, that goes. Do you think my voice is good enough to make it?" And he said to me, "It doesn't matter." I said, "What?" He goes, "I know people have got record contracts, and it was the worst thing that ever happened to the band. I know people have got record contracts. It was the best thing that ever happened to the band. If you always do it because you love it, you'll always love doing it." Yes. And I've never forgotten that. I've told every young artist I've ever met, he said, it doesn't matter if you're singing for 10 people or 10,000, if you give the same performance because you love it, you'll always love doing it. And I've never forgotten that. And I perform the same for five people as I do for 5,000. I just, uh, you know, if five people are listening to me, I pour my heart out and I give them everything I've got. And it's the same with Rock Your Business. Why? I'm very fortunate that I work with very talented vocal trainers. Okay. They do the things that I can't do because I'm not. Uh, I'm the motivational, encouraging guy and uh, oh. the showman, and they're the technical people that come in and do the actual technical. You're going to sing, the, 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 and I'm the guy going, you can do this. Oh. Um, and I'm very lucky to work with so many amazing um, uh, vocal trainers that that brought my vision to life. Um, and. I think it works. The best compliment that somebody ever gave me was about six months ago. And he said, Do you know why Rock Your Business works? And I said, Why is that? It goes, Because you're authentic. Yes. And I was like, Wow, you really love people. You really go into that room with 400 strangers and you really want to turn them into rock stars in 90 minutes. And you really want them to finish that workshop and go home and tell their wives and their kids, ah, Your daddy was singing It's My Life by Bon Jovi today like a choir daddy doesn't sing in the shower. And I really do. I, 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 go, I go into every workshop bro, and I look at them and I go, where's my little lost sheep today? These guys are already quite confident, but where's my little lost sheep? Where's the ones that are thinking they can't do this and they have no clue what's just about to happen to them in the 90 minutes. And I get this little butterfly sensation in my stomach because uh, I find them because I know who they are because I was that kid when I was a kid. And yeah. I see them and then I start during the workshop, I start bringing them into the, like a lost sheep, bringing them into the the, the fold and bring them in and then encourage them slowly and slowly, step by step, crock, Pokroko in Polish. Yes. And I just keep bringing them together, bringing them together, and then suddenly they're singing at the top of their voice by the end of the 90 minutes with this big, huge smile on their face. And that is job satisfaction. That is, that is, uh, regardless of if I got 10 zlotties or, or a thousand slotties for that workshop, it doesn't matter for me because I got a million slotties in my heart, you know?
0: I uh, know. But you also, you can also feel it when you are performing on Facebook with those videos. You can also feel that you really like it, and it doesn't matter if it's uh, a lot, a lot of people are watching it or not, because you really love it. It, it goes through the screen also. Thank you. Um, but you also were on this, now we're talking about screen, you were also in some Police and X Factor, your different TV shows.
1: Yeah, that was just for fun. I just, okay. wanted, I just wanted my kids to see me on TV. Uh, actually, the first one is actually uh, it's a great story because when Must Be the Music was being launched in Poland, which is like the kind of Polish version of the X Factor. Yes. Um, the producer of the show, Jan Kimpinski, was one of my first friends in Poland, and he actually him and his partner Adam brought me to the first castings of Must Be the Music a few years earlier from that, just to ask me what my my thoughts were on 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 the the on the the process. Yes. And he knew I was a professional musician. He knew I had five albums. He knew I I I've done what I've done in my past and. One night I was drunk in Bollywood and Novish Fiat and and (laughs) I just wrote to him, I said, bro, are you still doing that? Must be the music. And he writes back to me, he says, yeah, I am. Why? I said, I was thinking about maybe I can go on it. He goes, what, as a guest or a competitor? I went, as a competitor? He went, great, we have auditions in a couple of days. Right, okay, I'm up for it. So it was kind of, I woke up the next morning going, did I volunteer myself for Must Be the Music last night? <laughs> and I checked my phone, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm going on on Saturday." Yeah. Um. So I went to work uh, two days later at my club Rock On, and um, I told all my friends to write me a SMS at one o'clock in the morning. Go home. You have an audition for Must Be the Music tomorrow, <laughs> and. At one o'clock my phone starts vibrating and I'd already had about seven or eight Jägermeisters at that point and a few beers and Jack Daniels and I just went that's not happening I got home at five I took my friend Piot back to my apartment with me uh, uh, he was trying to bodyguard me but I don't know how that was working I think I was looking after him I woke up at 11 and Piot was on the couch and he's like oh my god your voice is I went yeah I know we need to go to Lubyato next to Hard Rock we need to have a couple of whiskeys, a couple of beers and go straight to the studio. And that's exactly what I did. So we went, I had a couple of beers, a couple of uh, Jack and Cokes. <laughs> I went to the TV studio and I, I thought I would have like an hour or something to warm up my voice. But because this guy was my friend, he didn't want me waiting around all day. He put me literally third or fourth onto the stage. I think my performance was quite funny because I, 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 th- I technically I could have been still uh, not sober. Um, but... I, I yeah it's on YouTube
0: uh, I know I have seen it and it's act, it's it's actually good you know <laughs> you cannot see that <laughs> that you are under influence of 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 anything oh,
1: I was I was not sober That's my right. friend I was no. I was but that but, was just a laugh I mean yeah okay X factor Ukraine as well I was in I was in Ternopil in Ukraine and uh my my crazy Ukrainian sister Anastasia said to me do you ever think about going on a Ukrainian X factor and I went <laughs> when's, the, when's the auditions? And she checked her phone. She goes, this weekend up in Kiev. I said, it looks like I'm going to Kiev. So <laughs> I went just for a laugh and I got onto the show. And uh, yeah, it's just, life's a journey. Uh, and I know it's an overused expression, but I honestly believe it is because there's a, an amazing book that, that I read that said that um, the meaning of happiness is is anticipation It's not material things because you can buy another Porsche and okay, you might be a little bit excited in the anticipation you're going to sit in your new Porsche. But then after that, it's just a car. Um, yeah. living in a big house, is just a big house. Uh, and life is really about the anticipation of before you're going to do something. Like if you and I are going to go to Bali, we, we'd be like, Oh, Brian, sorry. Oh, we're going to go to Bali. Oh my God. This is going to be so awesome. And then we, we go there and we're like having the time of our life and then we come back and we talk about it and it's that anticipate. And it's, I, I, I agree with this author and I I often think about, um, my life and, uh, I, there's a good friend of mine who's a director of a Polish bank or used to be. And uh, a few years ago, his wife uh, sadly died of cancer. And uh, I was uh, singing for her Mm -hmm. once uh, with my guitar on, on in Bollywood. And he's a, he's a very close friend of mine. And, um, they were together for 35 years and one time we were sitting in, in, in a Shisha Lounge and I I said to him, Jacek, I said, you know, I've been to your home in Klutzburg and you're a director of a bank. I mean, uh, you're not poor um, and your home in Klutzburg is very humble. And, you know, it's nice. It's, it's a two bedroom apartment. And I th- I'm pretty sure it's where you've been most of your life. Um, and how come you never wanted to buy yourself a bigger house? And his answer brought me to tears Um, in the middle of the day without alcohol. He said to me, Brian, I have 35 years of memories traveling around the world with that woman, Hmm. tasting things that most people will never taste, seeing things that most people will never see, dancing to music that most people will never hear. Uh, I just didn't have words. And he goes, I have 35 years of memories, photographs, videos to keep me warm now. and. If i had a big house i'd have 35 years of nothing
0: yeah
1: and i was like oh my god is that ever an epiphany for life
0: Mm -hmm. no that's true
1: i'd be just a lonely guy in a bigger house now yeah instead of a guy living in a cozy little apartment that reminds me of her with 35 years of incredible memories of Mm. me living every day of my life with that woman i was like wow holy and i think about my life uh, uh, and i'm 50 as you know and i know, yeah. um and i'm still at this current moment you know in the situation of the pandemic i'm still waiting waiting to be- become the phoenix again and rise from the ashes and thinking uh, my current girlfriend uh monica love of my life and uh, i we, we spend every moment together and we Already went to Mexico. That was a promotional uh, tour for Rocky Business. My friend Rafa Hernandez flew us over from World Meetings Forum to promote to try to help help me uh, get into Latin America. Uh, we went to Scotland to surprise my best friend James for his for his uh, birthday. We went to Zakopane a few times, and there, these are small journeys. We've only been together since uh, March, but I spend every day with this girl, and I I feel very much like Yasek um that uh, i'm a billionaire in memories and experiences and i've been to 75 countries wow and i have amazing friends like you all over the world
0: thank you all of
1: and most people can't say that i i i can i can pick up the phone now and call japan and i will have people waiting for me at the airport uh, uh, mexico brazil anywhere and i i believe it's because i'm a good person and and uh, I, 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 am a good friend to them as well as they're a good friend to me because unlike most people, I keep in touch with a lot of my friends. I, I don't just have them as my friend on Facebook. I actually write to them, and say, "Hey, how are you?" and not just at Christmas or on their birthday. Um, touch base and see how it's going on and uh and uh and stuff like that. And my business, uh, Rock Your Business, will, uh, I think, hopefully, uh, if there's ever going to be a need for my style of team building and energizing conferences. It will be now because I think over the last two years, there's been so much hurt and suffering in the world and decimation of companies and businesses, new, new employees coming in, new businesses starting up new, a a need like never before in in history for teams to come together after being isolated at home uh, and cabin fever. And uh, I hope that I can, I can somehow, um, Find uh, some kind of balance this year,
0: but you have, but you also have a lot of different kinds of webshops. I can see on your on your website.
1: Yeah, I had to try to come up with something virtual. Um, I couldn't obviously do rock your business because it doesn't work because uh, Zoom or Teams has a one second lag. So yeah. I tried it for one company and it was a disaster. So I had to come up with some kind of um, virtual game uh musical bingo with with quizzes and stuff like this just so I can put food in my belly and and pay for my kids as much as I could um nice. uh, and keep a roof over my head until everything gets back to normal but now I'm developing uh when I went to Barcelona uh in November for this IBTM this tra- trade show I had to think ahead and think okay this pandemic stuff and this omicron is going to be around whether we like it or not It's probably going to take realistically till April this year before people get comfortable with face-to-face meetings again
0: yeah
1: um because this Omicron I think is a bit of a blessing that it doesn't kill the same way Delta does and or or the first original coronavirus however it infects much faster exactly Um, so it's it's going to give people the antibodies quicker yeah Um, I, I I pray and I hope Nobody dies, but um, no more. Uh, So I'm trying to look at conferences um, because they are normally, traditionally, especially in Scandinavia, uh, are, are booked six months in advance. They start yeah. planning these conferences, booking the conference center, booking the catering, booking people like me. Yes. Um, so I can. My contract s- stipulates that I have to get a fifty percent deposit. So I'm going to try and <laughs> book things for the second half of the year and get deposits now to uh, stay afloat until until everything comes back.
0: Yeah, um, I will also link to the uh, website in the show notes. Thank you, and of course. Yeah. And Maybe I, also to the video on YouTube. <laughs> please, please, please do. So yeah.
1: I'm going to focus apart. Uh, normally, uh, most of our work was uh, doing uh, the full workshop, 60 minutes or 90 minute workshops with the choir singing. Uh, but I also have one that I'm promoting now, which is more um, not only the conference energizing, but I have. Uh, Three keynotes, one that I've done many times, which is a keynote presentation on Freddie Mercury, Yeah. uh, where I I show the business metaphors inside of Freddie Mercury's life, even though it looked like he was being crazy, but there was actually some business genius behind what he was doing. And I explain it in a very simple way, rock and roll way, that even uh, any kind of audience can go, Ah, I get what he means. Now I understand this marketing stuff. That's what, what he meant by making himself stand out above the crowd. And he had a niche. He had something original that people could. And now I get the product before he was super famous. And Interesting. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I like it. It's, yeah. a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really nice presentation. And then I got really excited because I read a book called The World in Six Songs by a leading uh, neurologist called Daniel Leviton. Uh, and it's uh, fascinating about uh, music and how music has been around since the beginning of time, how music has bonded us from the caveman days and the cavewoman days to. Uh, so I I took this basic concept of I I started analyzing. Okay, what was the first sounds? How was music used? Uh, where 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 was music placed in business? How did the business structure from caveman and cavewoman days come to modern day CEOs? And it's Terrifying how close similarity it is
0: yeah.
1: on the usage of music throughout business. Um, everything from the first team building to how they dissolved uh, fights amongst the clans, amongst their own clan first. How they des- the-, the dissolved any tension. How they managed to attract new people to join their clan. It's was all music and ceremonial dances and 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 singing and-, yeah. and-, and 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 how this became a weapon. How instead of just drumming and celebrating, they thought, okay, that tribe over there has never heard drums. They've never heard I, 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 at 4.30 in the morning. So we're just gonna go there and terrify them. And they're gonna be half, it's actually true. There's, there's a tribe in the Amazon basin a jungle that to this day the male members of the tribe still get up at 4 30 in the morning at the break of dawn and sing in harmonies to prevent themselves from being attacked because uh-huh. when you sing in harmonies it sounds like there's more than what there is so probably a few hundred years ago or a thousand years ago their clan was attacked in the early morning uh-huh. and they decided this was one way of self-defense and that's where their their choir singing came from which blew my mind when i read it in this book and w- when you think about it if you're lying there and a it's, it's terrifying. If, yeah. you, if you've n- never heard loud drumming or clan clapping and, yeah. oh, oh, and chanting, you'd be like, oh my good God, what's going on here? And then, you know, the louder it gets, then you, you're, you're paralyzed of fear. And,
0: also uh, the Indians in the Westerns. And, and, I can and, yeah, yeah, yeah. remember when I, when I was a kid, when I was uh, starting to w- watch the w- Westerns, I was very scared when they were sing- singing the Indians uh, before they went to war.
1: yes. The high yeah.
0: shrieks. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's actually part of my presentation. I talk about the American Indians. Uh, that's part of the, because the the, the the keynote presentation is going to be interactive. I'm going to get the audience to do the, wow. the grunts. I'm going to get them to do the Indian sounds. I'm going to get them to practice the drumming. I'm going to show them some, because I go from the drumming to drilling like in the army
0: oh. and
1: showed how the drum was used to make people be synchronized yeah. then that synchronized became the Romans then it became the Nazis and it became because the, the 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 psychology behind it was when people saw that many people marching towards them in perfect synchronicity they thought they'll kill them in the same way okay it's mind blowing
0: yeah
1: and a corporation is run exactly the same way that's crazy just like military
0: yeah you, just,
1: you got the, you got the chain of command, you got the chain of command and, yeah. and it's all to the, the, the business has got to be, it's got to be flowing. It's got to be, um, yeah. I show the first marketing guys, the sales guys. I show uh, the natural selection, how women pick the future, future husbands uh, is it's really, really cool. And now I'm doing, I'm finishing my last keynote presentation on ABBA. Cool. Uh, not their music because their music is obviously well, well documented, but the, the, showing the, the the business of ABBA and the business lessons that is inside the ABBA story. Um, for example, little things like uh, never give up. That's- of course, everybody knows that. But in ABBA... There's a transitional period of when they started, when Benny was in his band, the Hep Stars, uh, and Bjorn was in the uh, Hoot Nani uh, singers. And then they had songs on the, in Swedish on the radio. But if you listen to the songs now, you would never think it was the biggest selling pop band in history because they were not really good in the uh, mid-60s, uh, late 60s. And then Benny had a song in 1969 that he submitted for the Eurovision uh, Melody Festival and he didn't, he didn't even get in there. And then 1970, 1971, and then Benny and Bjorn submitted the song. It didn't get chosen. 1972, okay. they got to, they didn't even get to submit their songs. They were didn't even get to the Melody Fest. And then they got to the Melody... Uh, no, 1970, Benny had a song that was a joint first, but then when they recounted the votes, he went down to number two. Okay. Then 1972, they had two songs that didn't even get in. Nineteen seventy three, 1973, uh, they had the song called Ring Ring, which everybody knows now because ah. of the movie. But this only came third, so they didn't go. And most people just give up. And... And the transitional period of how their girlfriends, who became their wives, who were just their friends, that they were also singers, then started singing backgrounds on the, on the on the on the on the their songs. It was still predominantly male vocals. Then they heard the ABBA sound start to come. And it's it's going to be a beautiful part of the presentation. And oh. you see you see this this growth of from here to here, and then Waterloo, 1974, and it wins the Eurovision. Oh. But there's a there's I don't a, remember. That you know the whole world yeah. remembers it. was yeah. a five year transitional and there's a business marathon. There there there's lessons that we can learn from that. Like they didn't not only did they not give up, they realized that we've got something here, yeah. but we need to tweak it. No. we need to keep working on it. We had to get the 10,000 hour ruling. We have to keep performing. We have to get better at performing. We have to get better at writing songs. We have to experiment. We have to find a sound that is us, that is not like the other songs on the radio. And that's eventually what they did. Then they had something, they had a product. No. They had something now that the world could, uh, and then they obviously had an unbelievable sense of melody and are two of the most incredible songwriters in history. But they had all these things and that's part of it. Uh, what's the other parts of it? Um, Uh, uh, there's no emotions in business uh, which is going to be a really cool part when we talk about The Winner Takes It All when Bjorn wrote those lyrics about his ex-wife he didn't deal with it for two years and she had to go into the studio and she had to sing the song even though they're divorced now they got a kid together and and she broke down like two or three times which most people don't know singing The Winner Takes It All because she couldn't Mm. sing the song because she was so emotional but they were a band they knew they were making money together they knew Mm. they, they, they put the emotions on the side which is probably very Swedish I don't know and they just said Yep, you're my ex-husband. You just wrote a song about the winner takes it all. It must be me. I'm going to go <laughs> here. And I'm going to sing this song and make you more money. How does that sound? Um, and it's a it's a little twist, but um, and there's obviously more stuff. I'm not obviously going to talk about the ridiculous amount of money, money, money they made. But I'm going to uh, and at the end of it, then I will teach the audience how to sing an Abba song in, in cool. two or three voices. So it's the whole Abba experience.
0: I will link to that as well.
1: That's going to be, because uh, we already do ABBA in our workshops, so it made sense uh, oh. uh, to put an ABBA story together. Oh. And and even for the most, because I'm, a, I'm I'm a huge ABBA fan, and I didn't know all that stuff, so I found a lot of stuff that was really inspiring for me. Um, yeah, so, and then go through the the their, their talent, their, yeah, you like it? It's pretty cool, huh?
0: Yeah, it's a cool idea. Did you know that stuff? No, not uh, <laughs> only the thing about Waterloo. 1974. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also that they got divorced and, and stuff like that. But yeah, now they made some new music recently. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm not so sure about the new stuff, but...
0: none am I. To be yeah. honest, I don't like it. Yeah. I like the old stuff, I, I, I like. But the new one, it seems like... Scary. Scary and like it's... Scary space uh, without the space. It's like, like it's not made... Uh, it's, it's just made f- for business and a bit without the heart and soul in it it seems like a bit you know it doesn't seem true yeah. in, some, in some way to it me it doesn't sound like ABBA no also that it doesn't and the as-
1: songwriting was weak I mean, yeah. where's those big big hooks? those uh, big knowing me knowing you uh, uh, there's yeah. nothing there it was just I, I, I was so disappointed when I heard it No. I was like you should have you should have just, t- just, just stopped
0: yeah, I just you're, you're, thought I just thought it was me because no. I was also disappointed. saw in
1: 1982, they should have they, they did something amazing by having this ridiculously amazing catalogue of songs. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's one thing that I talk about as well. That will be the end of the presentation when I go. A part of business also is knowing when to stop. Yeah, uh, not just not giving up, but there's a point when you've your road has went. You know, yeah,
0: when you have done what you can. You, do. When
1: you've done as much as you can do. Yeah, uh, and, and and to. You know, a lot of uh, stars come back, and you know, I wish they hadn't because they they destroy their legacies. Yeah, just, exactly. And football players too. When they, yeah, exactly. You just you know, you you, you were amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan when he came back to play yeah. for the Washington yeah. Wizards. Michael Jordan, what are you doing? You yeah. don't need the money. Um, yeah, they should just uh, leave the memories. Uh, or if they
0: or if they are taking a position where they don't have the uh, skills, you know. Yeah. Defeat. Yeah. And then just because it's within the same business, then uh, they will stay there. It doesn't mean that you're good at it. Yeah,
1: it's uh yeah, it's just and Abba were in 1982. They stopped, and their their last hit was uh, Super Trooper. Yeah, uh, which actually mentions Glasgow in a song, which is one of the reasons that's one of my favorite Abba songs. Okay, uh, and they were telling the story of the band at that moment. She said that. Uh, Uh, All I do is eat, sleep, and sing, and she doesn't. She just doesn't want to do it anymore. Uh, Wishing every show was the last show. That's a great lyric. Yeah. You know, because they were just burned out. They just had eight incredible years and sold what was it? I read two hundred and forty to the estimation is one hundred and eighty to three hundred and eighty four million albums. That's crazy. It's just absolutely preposterous. It's like Uh. just nuts. And when you go from their humble beginnings and you see where they got to, uh, it's just in the marketing and, you know, everybody thought that ABBA was being um, zany or crazy with their costumes. But it's a little bit like my Freddie Mercury presentation. But Freddie Mercury wasn't Freddie Mercury was the original one that started wearing all that crazy spandex and that crazy. Oh. Uh, there was okay, maybe maybe David Bowie was the precursor for this because he was a bit dressing up a little bit crazy as well, but not as mad as Freddie. But the uh, Abba, they were they they say it themselves. They were in love with this whole glam rock. Okay, this whole. T Rex, Mark Bone and T Rex and and Ah. Ziggy Stardust and this costume stuff. And I I watched an interview with Bjorn recently and he said, you know, looking back, we wore some pretty silly clothes. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't deny it he's like yeah the people were right to laugh at us a little bit I mean I, I look back now thinking what were we thinking but you know it was the time yeah. it was the 70s it was also
0: Wilson John he also had a lot Elton John yes Yes. and yeah. Liberazzi yeah they all—they were all wearing costumes and, yeah. and,
1: and over the top uh, yeah. uh, although I think Ava <laughs> took it a little bit far in a couple of instances but they <laughs> were more like spacemen but it's
0: also fun to look at today
1: Yeah. oh yeah for sure yeah uh, but they're a fascinating case study And I think their their, their global appeal might uh, People might be interested In in hearing an ABBA keynote yeah. That isn't just going on about the songs There's obviously going to be audience participation There's obviously going to be sing-alongs There's obviously going to be a choir training But uh, at the back of it I hope people leave going Wow, I didn't know that about ABBA what? wow, that's really cool because I think a lot of people when they saw Waterloo mm. uh, especially people who don't understand the music business probably thought ABBA were over uh, not, not Swedish people because they knew that all four of them were artists before they got together but the whole world is probably thinking oh yeah, they were overnight set, one hit wonders they had Waterloo and that's why they became famous uh, and I think this is uh, I would like to set the, re- the record straight in my presentation and, and, and highlight How much Benny and Bjorn were working on their craft.
0: Yeah, but you go anywhere, it's not only in Poland, it's in the entire world. The whole world. Yeah. Yeah. And Dancing Queen got, it's the first, uh,
1: the ABBA song got uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And in 2005, they had the 50th anniversary of the Eurovision Song Contest, and Waterloo was voted by everybody as the number one. Yeah. Uh, song that was ever that ever won uh, Johnny Logan will not be happy because you know he won twice with Hold Me Now. Yeah. How could you win twice with the same song? Never mind.
0: Yeah, also, but he didn't he also win five times or something like that. Johnny Logan Mr. Eurovision, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hold me now, don't cry. Don't say a prayer, just hold me now. I <laughs> no. I remember. But Waterloo yeah. was Waterloo was fascinating because the lyrics were written by Stig Anderson or their, their manager because um There was, uh, ABBA didn't release too many DVDs, but I I have one of them, and there's this great moment when Bjorn's sitting in his Swedish dacha, his summer home, and the interviewer saying to him, okay, so ABBA are responsible for such a catalogue of incredible hit songs. Bjorn, how did you do it? And I'm on the edge of my couch going, oh my God, here comes the ABBA formula. And I'm sitting forward and Bjorn goes, with his humble Scandinavian uh, uh, mentality he just goes well I would like wake up in the morning with a melody in my head and I would go over to Bjorn and he'd put some piano chords behind it and then we'd give it to Stig to write the lyrics because he's quite good at the English language (laughs) I don't know if I loved or hated Scandinavian people more or less in that Mm -hmm. moment I'm just like oh my god how humble can you be oh that is just ridiculous we give it to Steg to write the English lyrics because he's pretty good at English. Yeah, that that's just the melody, and then he puts some piano chords. Okay, Bjorn. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Nothing to do with your ridiculous sense of melody or or, or pop sensibilities. Just
0: amazing. But, but I would say Swedish has been more successful Swedish band than in other Scandinavian countries. You know, they they have been very good. Also, rock set Instance.
1: Yeah, first concert I ever saw in my life in 1991 in Edinburgh was Roxette oh, uh, wow. yeah they had a massive map I
0: also saw them in Denmark she was singing uh, it must have been Love a yeah. cappella I remember oh wow Yeah, I still remember it at the
1: concert she was singing a cappella I, I, wow.
0: yeah, I, I still remember it
1: yeah she there was a piano in Edinburgh when she sang it but oh. it, it was a she had a skin tight black catsuit on leather catsuit and she walks down to the front of the stage in Edinburgh turned around and smacked her bum and said are you ready and I that was it. i was I, i've <laughs> never been more uh, attentive in my life to a concert i was just like my first ever concert marie Friedrichsen walks down and goes edinburgh are you ready and slaps her bum on our black lever cats so i was like this is what concerts are like i'm coming every week it was just awesome and yeah. then she just yeah lay a whisper on my pillow leave the winter on the ground. Ah, but this song was originally a Christmas song. They had to rewrite the lyrics for the okay. movie. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a very famous story. You can YouTube it later. About a rock I It must have been loved the original version. It was actually a Christmas song. Okay. Uh, and they took it off the off the shelf and they re the um, they they changed the lyrics. Um, ah. Yeah. To fit the movie, yeah. Uh yeah. Robin Europe, the first single I ever bought in my life was the, the Final Countdown in 1986. Yeah. I'm walking around the shop Woolworths, and this, and I'm like, my God, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's another great story because that uh, Joy Tempest never intended on writing a song. He that was, a, he wrote that as a, a little jingle for the hockey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then somebody said to make that into a song that's, that's really catchy uh, uh, It was never meant to be a song it was just that and he he turned it into a song and it became a, a, a 20 million singles sold worldwide
0: oh yeah um, uh, i remember that yeah that's crazy
1: uh, but the the swedes i think um part of the reason apart from probably the government funding if you if you if you go into it hmm. uh, how how you say how are you in danish
0: yeah and i
1: Okay, because it's not that then. Because in Swedish it's umordu. Uh, yeah, but, but it's you, more
0: it's more it's more it's more singing.
1: Yeah, it's more singing. Singing. uh så oh,
0: yeah
1: uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, but
0: the the um. in Danish. What is it? Tack mangetag. But you don't have any you like, up and down. Uh, we don't have this uh, um, umlaut, but we have we have like with my letter with the o with a line through it. Uh-huh. It's called ö. And, and that's also how you are writing Ireland in Danish. It's just one letter, and O is meaning creek, <laughs> but the one A e has no meaning. Yeah, I know that's awesome. Yeah, it's weird.
1: Ireland is one letter. Yeah. Well, they must be so upset. They feel shortchanged. <laughs> the Irish did, they, but they've been, they've been feeling shortchanged throughout history, ah, because they were. Um, yeah, and in 1974, I'm not sure if you know this, but when Waterloo won the Eurovision Song Contest, the uh, the Swedish government uh, decreed that they would immediately take all lecture of all foreign movies. So they, if the movie was in French or in English or in Italian, it would have Swedish subtitles and they removed all the voiceovers so okay. after ABBA won in 1974 yeah. the Swedish government took all the all the voiceovers of any foreign movie so the, the melody of English mm. uh, was immediate now for kids not only in school but they got the melody of the English uh, we had
0: the same I don't know if, how it was before but like when I was a kid it was also only subtitles and when we started to learn English my English teacher asked my mother how come that I'll Knew so many words that haven't we haven't learned yet, <laughs> and then it was because of the subtitles, you know. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Because watching something, then you are connecting it. This is also uh, how I'm trying to learn uh, more Polish. Is also with English subtitles. I do that too. So yeah, but I have to be. I have to super be super re- not tired. Yeah, exactly, because of because it's tiring. <laughs> you really have to concentrate.
1: Yeah, I I do the same and I have because of this uh, Mexican experience uh last year uh when I got I actually got signed to a company called Smart Speakers, which no. is why I've been developing these keynotes because they were uh quite impressed with my Freddie Mercury keynote and then I, I taught them on Joviets my life right after that. Probably should have chosen a Queen song, but never mind. Um and they said, "Do you have any more keynotes? Because that was amazing what you just did—like speaking for half an hour about Freddie Mercury and the business metaphors—and then suddenly teaching everybody how to write a song. We don't, we don't have a speaker like that here. And can you learn Spanish as quick as possible?" I said, "Yes, of course I can." So I, I got Duolingo, and my Spanish is 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 going through the roof right now, and uh, I. <laughs> I, I can switch the there's a you get 40 points if you play against the clock you got a minute and a half to answer 16 uh, questions in Spanish oh my god I, and then I, I tried to switch it to my level of Polish where I am right now and I'm, I'm like no, no no I have to go back to Spanish because my Polish is terrible compared to my level of Spanish already my my Polish girlfriend is like baby really seriously you've been here for 17 years you, seriously you've been doing Spanish for 7 weeks and what are you kidding me I yeah. Spanish is the easiest language in the world darling it's statistically the easiest language in the world to learn.
0: Yeah, I have heard from a Polish uh, linguistics saying that Polish is the second most difficult language to learn, and it's only uh, Mandarin that's more difficult. Yes. Yeah. But also when you can write the number two in 14 different ways. 14? And 14, yeah, in Polish. No, I think it's about 40. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, that, that's a, it's also not easier when you're getting older to learn a, a language. You know, when you are... Like when you're an infant, you can learn a thousand languages. Super fast. So uh, I can also feel it's getting more and more difficult to learn. I'm trying to learn Polish, and that's it. You don't do a lingo? No, I have done it now, but right now I'm busy with this podcast and, and a lot of different business Super. stuff, uh, meetings it's, and whatnot. It's,
1: it's really good for any of your listeners that yeah. are listening to this Biz in Poland. Uh, I, I would highly recommend, after living here for 17 years, uh, this app is fantastic. It it takes you right from the basics, um, slowly, Uh, slowly, 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day.
0: uh, And uh. I
1: started gluing all the stuff together that I was speaking Polish for a long time, but I wasn't understanding why I was saying what I was saying because I just spoke. Uh. And this app started to help me put together... and Spanish grammar is very similar to Polish grammar with masculine and feminine. So believe it or not, when I started learning Spanish, I went
0: ah. no yeah, sometimes the, you can connect. Now it. the
1: Polish is starting to actually make sense to me yeah. now. Oh my god, it's it's pretty <laughs>
0: similar here. Yeah, uh, but I also think soon we are. Time is up, more or less. Yep, almost. But. Uh, We can do it another time because I think we can talk a long long time. So it was very uh, nice having you. And thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. And uh, please uh, see the show notes. There will be linked to uh, Brian's uh, different websites and ideas. So uh, I can can highly recommend him.
1: And good luck with your uh, your, your your podcast and helping uh, business people in Poland. There's, yeah, we, thank you. We definitely need a lot more people like you that are opening doors and trying to help uh, foreigners here. And yeah, yeah. Also, your 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 stuff on on Facebook notes from Poland is yours as well, right?
0: No, it's not. It's But not? but I started. I actually started uh, another one, but I didn't have any. I should just, like with this, you have to be consist consistent, you know, and. Uh, so, but I had one from Warsaw Echo before uh, Notes from Poland. No, but I'm uh, I'm uh, making different podcasts about different uh, subjects. Plus I'm mixing it with these interviews. And then now you have to download it a lot if you want to hear more interviews <laughs> because the more listeners, the more uh, interviews. So right now it'll be like once or twice per, per month for, for a start and then we will see how it goes. Maybe it will be only interviews. Super. Yeah that's uh-huh. the plan
1: and you need to get like a little uh, TV studio so they can see your charming Danish face
0: well it's not so charming I'm getting old <laughs>
1: uh, you're not 50 yet my brother you're not no. 50 yet
0: no but there's uh, 11 months yeah. yeah it's just another day I don't know but thank you for coming thank you for having yeah. me yeah, yeah. That was the interview with Brian Allen, owner of Rock Your Business. I hope you enjoyed it. I for sure enjoyed making it. I can for sure recommend you uh, hiring Brian Allen and Rock Your Business for your next company event. He puts his heart and soul in it. That's for sure. I have linked to his website, etc. in the show notes so you can contact him. Do you have a business in Poland or have had a business in Poland and would like to be interviewed in this podcast? Then please write to me at info at bizinpoland.com. Also, if you will recommend me a person to interview for Biz in Poland podcast. And uh, please subscribe to the podcast, and give it a review, of course five stars, and share the podcast. More listeners will help the podcast in every way. Thanks in advance and take care.